Hi, I'm David Collins, author of Andersonville's own Summerdale Horror Trilogy, set in the neighborhood. On behalf of Summerdale landlord, Mr. McGreevy, and all of his tenants, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Thank you. Hey, Andersonville, this is Todd from Foresighted, and we are out of the gate on decorating for Christmas. Be careful when you come in, because you'll, you'll step on an ornament. We'll have everything you need to decorate your house and all sorts of new stuff. Happy holidays from Cheetah Gym. Happy holidays from Foyer Shop right across from Reza's. 1480 West Berwyn. Happy holidays from the Wooden Spoon. This is Sean. Ian. And Edie. We hope you have a great holiday season. Don't forget to shop at the Mom and Pops this season. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Steven. Happy holidays from Edgewater Candles. Making spirits bright since 2016. Happy holidays from Enjoy in Andersonville. Come visit our new location at 5307 North Clark Street. This episode is brought to you by Great Lakes Clinical Trials. Located at the corner of Foster and Ashland in Andersonville, Great Lakes specializes in the study of investigational medications to treat health issues of the brain and body, as well as the recent affliction of COVID-19. Great Lakes Clinical Trials is participating in a global COVID-19 vaccine study that will be delivered to the Chicago community. For more information on their current studies, including the COVID-19 vaccine, visit GreatLakesClinicalTrials.com or send them a message on Facebook. Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. Today, we are joined by Dr. Andrew Lee and certified veterinary technician, Samantha Rogers of Heal Veterinary Clinic. Under the ownership of Dr. Derek Landini, Heal Veterinary Clinic has been providing exceptional and compassionate pet care to families in the Chicagoland area since 2011. Heal is a full service clinic within the Andersville membership that serves dogs, cats, and exotics and provides the highest quality pet health and wellness services so your pet has a long, happy, and healthy life. Located in nearby North Center, Heal just opened a brand new clinic at the end of October at 4137 North Rockwell. Welcome, Dr. Lee and Sam. How are you both today? Doing pretty well. <laughs> Doing good. Yeah, had some surgeries today, um, finished with those. So happy Monday. Yes, happy Monday. <laughs> I know, and you're, we know you're both um, coming to us from the brand new clinic, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, but we like to start out each episode with each of you um, kind of giving us a little bit about yourselves and your backgrounds um, before HEAL and then how you ended up at HEAL. Uh, for me, before HEAL, I started off with wildlife rehabilitation. Um, obviously, you don't really get to see those patients later on, so I kind of switched over to more domesticated animals. Um, I started working more at a doggy daycare. Um, wanted to get more into the medicine side, like I kind of always wanted to. Ended up going to technician school and started working at Heal after that. So I pretty much always wanted to be a vet. Um, so I went to school at U of I, graduated in 2017, um, took my first job at a corporate practice. Um, and, you know, I just wasn't practicing the level of medicine that I wanted. So I started to kind of reach out and ended up at Heal. And I've been here for two years now. And you mentioned surgeries from today. What type of surgeries do you perform at HEAL? So uh, we perform a wide range of surgeries, um, routine surgeries, emergency surgeries, um, a lot of different elective procedures. So, um, you know, most uh, common procedures that most people think about are like spays and neuters. 
um, growth removals, dentals, um, <clears throat> like bladder stone removals, spleen removals. Um, we have a doctor that comes in and does orthopedic like specialty procedures. So ACL tears is really common or um, like repairing the hips uh, due to arthritis is really common as well and fracture repairs. Can you recall kind of the most difficult procedure maybe from the past couple of months that you've had to perform? Yeah, for me personally, um, I hate them and I love them and it, it's dentals. <laughs> um, you kind of don't know what you're getting into until you're in there. Um, if you have a dog that hasn't had a dent in a long time and has a lot of bad teeth, you're potentially stuck there for four or five hours just pulling teeth. And, um, you know, the phrase, it's like pulling teeth doesn't come from nowhere. So it's <laughs> pretty tedious. But once you're done, it's super satisfying knowing that you just help this pet's quality of life. Yeah, there. I mean, a lot of owners say that they feel better almost the next day when, you know, they have the bad mouth teeth. And smells better too. <laughs> yeah. What's the um, best thing owners can do to prevent frequent dentals for their pets? Yeah, so um, definitely, you know, yearly exams or it's becoming twice a year now. Um, the doctor will examine the teeth and recommend, uh, you know, I'm always a proponent of prophylactic dental cleanings. So getting them, getting them in, getting their uh, teeth scaled and polished before we get to the point of having to take out teeth. Um, outside of that, the best thing they can do at home is start brushing their teeth. So I always recommend a gradual introduction to that so that they don't develop an aversion to it and are more likely to be successful there. And Sam, I know um, for those listening might not be familiar, we were wondering if you could kind of go over the difference between a certified vet tech and a vet tech and vet assistant. We know all of those are types of um, colleagues you have working there. Um, can you talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, certified veterinary technicians are ones who have passed their boards, which is the VTNE. Um, not everybody sits for those, even if they have gone to vet tech school. Um, one of the most popular places people start is being a veterinary assistant. Um, that's doing more kennel duties, restraining animals, kind of more minimalistic things. Once you kind of have, have the experience in a veterinary clinic, um, the veterinary technicians will start to gain more experience just by being exposed to those things. Um, so I know plenty of veterinary technicians who are not certified, but they've been in the field for over a decade and they actually, you know, practically have as much knowledge as I do. I think some of my knowledge, you know, I gained it all very quickly over um, a very fast, uh, I did the, I can't remember what it's called, the expedited um, school at Fox College. Um, so it took me about 16 months to graduate. So while I learned everything in about a year and a half, people who are learning actually in clinic, it might take them a little bit longer to get up to um, that knowledge. So. And what's the what's the day to day like at Heal for both of you? Like, can you just walk us through sort of everyday happenings, surgeries, not surgeries, just what goes on in the back well, of us there? It definitely starts right at eight o'clock for both of us, um, especially if there's an animal that's hospitalized. We always have to have a doctor do the exam first thing in the morning, make sure, you know, if we need anything adjusted like fluid rates or medications. Um, you know, Dr. Lee is definitely one of those doctors who will come in and do that. Um, otherwise surgeries also, they start coming in at eight o'clock in the morning. So it's, it's kind of 
<laughs> you come in and you start working and, for sure. And it, it can get busy. It can be fast paced. Um, we have our scheduled appointments, which has been really heavy. Um, we have lab work to call back. So blood work from like the previous days that we get the results of call those back. A lot of prescriptions to fill and a lot of clients coming in. Hey, my dog's been throwing up. What should I do? And, you know, we, we, we try and take a lot of uh, those same basic appointments as well. I will say with uh, COVID-19, we have definitely adapted to doing more drop-offs um, for the emergencies, which I think owners have really liked. So while our schedule might be totally full, we can say, hey, you know, come in at nine o'clock, you know, we'll have Dr. Lee examine your pet, you know, when between appointments, when he has the chance and he'll call you then. Um, so it has definitely allowed us to, to do more fit-ins, I think. And kind of with the new facility, you know, what, you know, how many dogs can you have in at a time? Like when you say folks are able to drop pets off for that service, what is, do you have a cap on that number or what does that look like in terms of how many animals you can treat it kind of in one day? It, it's not per se a number, like a number of pets. Um, mm -hmm. I think we have certain number of like schedule appointments per day. Um, and I think it kind of depends, like if everything's just kind of like quick, um, we're more willing to take in more sick stuff versus if we're already, you know, running really behind and have a lot of things that we haven't gotten a chance to see yet, or if, you know, we're short a doctor one day or short a tech one day, um, that kind of limits the amount. We have a lot of space for them. You know, we have dozens of kennels, but um, I would say for the most part, our doctors are pretty timely. So we never really reach capacity because we're very timely in getting, you know, the patients in and out when we can. I think, you know, for the most part, yeah, it's a good thing. They're, they're empty. <laughs> yeah. And what we don't want to do at the same time is like, we want to be able to help the sick pets, but at the same time, find a balance that we're not sacrificing care. Absolutely. And so we know that COVID has caused quite the uptick in pandemic puppies. Um, a couple of acquaintances of ours actually reached out and asked where they should take their brand new puppy. And we recommended Heal um, for, you know, the puppy packages there. So what has been your experience with seeing new clients who are welcoming this new family member during such a strange time? And what is your biggest advice for new puppy parents? Um, yeah, we, we've definitely been seeing a lot of new um, puppy owners. Um, a lot of the times it's either their first, it's like a lot of younger professional couples who are getting their first dog. Um, and, you know, maybe they had a dog growing up, but really have never had a dog before. So um, we do try to schedule more time for those appointments so we can take the time to educate them. Um, you know, we try to allot an hour for them just because there's a lot of things to go over. Um, such as all the vaccines, preventions. Um, we like to talk about socializing them, um, training, different pet insurance. Um, I think it's, and, and they find it really helpful. And you know, I think that's kind of where we try to distinguish ourselves from other clinics who just kind of say, hey, we're gonna give these vaccines and uh, good luck with everything else. Yeah, we've seen, we've had days where we'll see a dozen puppies it definitely has increased with the puppy pandemic. Um, I think for the most part, a lot of the owners have been very, um, they've been taking our advice for the most part. I think one of the hardest things they're having to deal with though is the socialization aspect of it. 
Um, a lot of uh, people are walking across the street when they see someone else coming down the sidewalk. So those puppies aren't necessarily getting the good dog to dog socialization that, you know, before COVID they were. Um, I will also say the separation anxiety is something that we've definitely seen an increase in as well. And we're kind of worried about with those new puppies because people are working from home, especially the, you know, the younger professionals and their dogs usually aren't left alone. Their puppies aren't. So I think we've really talked a lot about um, anxiety, separation, anxiety, and um, with the training of them too. Yeah, training, socializing, it's, it's really big. Um, otherwise, if they don't get that proper socializing, um, they're going to be more prone to developing anxiety when they're adults. So that's going to lead to a lot of behavioral issues. And that's the number one reason why dogs end up back in shelters. And kind of what advice, you know, do you give your clients about that, about the socialization, um, you know, when they, you know, when, when that interaction isn't happening as organically as it might have been um, in the past, what are some options for folks now, or what are you kind of like, you know, letting folks know they can do at this time? Well, I feel like one of the things is um, a lot of owners before would take their dogs to dog parks, which isn't the best idea because you don't know all of the dogs. Um, if you have a friend, though, who does go to the vet routinely, um, you know, is up to date on vaccines. Um, obviously, they've been practicing social distancing and everything like that. I think that's a great option um, to do at least some dog to dog socialization. Yeah, and um, I, I do think that some there are some like group puppy classes where they're maintaining social distancing. Um, puppies of similar age, and they do check things to make sure that they're appropriately vaccinated for their age, um, especially with a lot of new owners. Um, training a puppy for the first time on your own isn't so easy, so it definitely helps to have a professional involved with that process where you know, look at the training and as well as the socializing. And what are some other kind of typical concerns kind of new puppy owners come in with, you know, besides the two that, you know, you've mentioned that have kind of come up because of the pandemic? What are kind of overarching concerns that you see most frequently? Um, I, I think we get a lot of questions that, you know, we think are pretty basic, but, you know, it's, it's questions like, oh, my dog is having the hiccups. Um, <laughs> is this an emergency? Or, um, you know, my dog threw up one time. Is this an emergency? Or my dog is having soft stool one time. Is this an emergency? So it is a lot of um, triaging and kind of determining, you know, what needs immediate medical attention versus, um, you know, what can be monitored at home. So Heal also sees exotics. What is considered an exotic pet and why don't all vet clinics see them? Well, I think one of the things that I think separates, you know, human doctors versus veterinary doctors is you need to know one species versus a bunch of other ones. Um, I definitely would say, you know, for a small general practice clinic, obviously you're going to have cats and dogs um, be our main patients. And then exotics, we're going to be seeing different avian species, birds, um, little parakeets, all the way up to Amazon parrots, um, hedgehogs, snakes, kind of stuff like that. So I think that's probably why not all veterinary clinics will see exotics. Um, but we've, we've definitely had some different ones <laughs> come in, but yeah, that was the next part of the question is which, what are the strangest exotics that you've had come in that you've had to treat in recent memory? I mean, I mainly stick with cats and dogs, um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I've done, um, I did the iguana, yeah. iguana. Um, I've trimmed rabbit teeth, um, or floated rabbit teeth, I should say. Um, I, I handle a lot of the birds. 
um, which, you know, can be quite temperamental. <laughs> um, their beaks can really, you know, they can hurt. So I would say for me, the most exotic animals that I've worked on have been definitely the avian species. Um, we do have some hedgehogs come in, um, the iguana. We have a pig that comes in, which to a large animal vet wouldn't be exotic, but for us in the city, it definitely is. Um, we've definitely had some other species of lizards come in as well, too. They're a challenge, but it's fun. <laughs> and what do like birds usually come in for? Um, a lot of the time, it's beak trims, nail trims. Um, obviously, our birds are naturally flighted. That's not necessarily something that owners want them to be able to do. So we'll trim their wings so that they can't reach like full flight. Um, they can hover and stuff though. Um, otherwise, if they're not eating, sometimes we'll do blood work on them. Uh, they tend to have more issues with their liver. Um, so we'll run blood work to check how that's functioning as well. And I'm curious about the hedgehog. How are those to handle kind of in person? They are probably one of the hardest. <laughs> Because one of the main things doctors do with cats and dogs even is palpate their abdomen, make sure everything feels, you know, nice in there. Hedgehogs, hedgehogs just curl up in a ball and you can't exactly, you know, handle them as well. Um, it's one of the tricks that we learned here is putting them in water. They do like to swim and they'll kind of float and sometimes it can make them uncurl out of their little ball. <laughs> Interesting. And, you know, Heal prides itself on making sure clients feel like they are a part of a family. And what does the Heal family mean to both of you? What does it mean to kind of work there and be a part of the team? And what does it mean to kind of serve, serve your clients and embrace them and, and you know, their, their little ones or big ones? Um, for me, you know, as far as treating clients like family, uh, I hate the reputation that veterinarians are like used car salesmen and always just trying to upcharge and upsell clients on things that they don't need. Um, so, you know, for me, it's, it's a lot about educating them and, um, you know, recommending uh, and advocating for their pet on, on things that I truly believe in and think that their pet will benefit from. Um, as far as staff, um, it's definitely one of the biggest perks of the job here. Um, it definitely, you know, it, the job can get stressful. And uh, I think having a great staff who kind of just laugh and, and joke about things and have a good time um, it, it, on a day-to-day -day basis, it makes work less like work and makes it fun for everybody. There's a lot of laughter that goes on here. And you know, when we're working 12, 13 hour shifts, sometimes we're spending more time here in the day than we are with our other significant others and family at home. Um, so staff here is definitely top tier in my opinion. We all do laugh a lot you know people if somebody's sick they will step up to help the team out because they don't want the team to have a bad day as a whole um when it comes to clients um there's a lot of pets that you know you see come in the door a lot and you get to know the owner just talking to them obviously you get to know their pet and i think that's one of the things i i look about being a veterinary technician is you see so much about the beginning of the animal's life to the end and you know you really do become part of their family as well as them becoming a part of ours. So we know Heal just opened your, your brand new clinic space at the end of October, and you didn't move very far from your old clinic on Rockwell, just across the street, in fact. What can you tell us about the new space? It's huge. There's a lot of space. Um, 
There's a lot more kennels that we have. We're able to designate a specific room for our exotic animals. We have more exam rooms, um, which luckily in the timing of having this new clinic, you know, COVID did hit. So we have so much more space, which kind of makes everybody feel a little bit better about being in close quarters. What else? I mean, we can see more patients yeah. with that. You can see more patients. Um, so previous clinic, we had four exam rooms. Now we have six. Um, we have two surgery suites as opposed to the one surgery suite. We have two dental tables as opposed to the one dental table. Um, we have we a have, little yard out there. We have back. a little yard. That's yeah. the best for our, <laughs> our dogs that we bring. It's just super convenient to just let them out back, let them use the bathroom. One of my favorite things <laughs> is we have a skylight That's right. um, in the treatment area. Like I said, with the 12 hour days, sometimes you miss the sun. <laughs> so now we have the beautiful skylight. You know, it's I, I love being able to, you know, see sunshine or hear the rain or anything like that. It kind of just makes it even easier to come to work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And we have a joint doctor's office so we can um, collaborate and bounce cases off each other just to, you know, kind of get a sec quickly get a second opinion on things. We're also going to be pairing with, um, it's called Just Food for Dogs. Um, it's a fresh frozen uh, food line and they should be building out and moving in this weekend. So they will, you know, have one of their nutritional um, employees working over there as well to help um, talk to clients. And it's also a great resource for our doctors to be able to, you know, if a patient's not eating, pretty much all dogs <laughs> love this diet. Um, so it's definitely a, a advant advantageous thing for us to have in the new clinic too. And we were able to kind of tour the space, um, I think a couple of weeks ago, time is... Oh, time awesome. escapes me these days, but, um, and it was kind of nearing completion. Do you know kind of exactly when, when it'll be all, all set for you? So you don't have kind of people coming in and. People are coming in less and less fashion okay. wise. Um, you know, there's definitely some kinks we're having to work out moving to a new space. You know, obviously in the clinic, we always have oxygen running for any patients. Um, we discovered one of our oxygen takes was, you know, going down sooner than we had expected. We had to have somebody come in and test the lines, found a small leak, fixed that problem. So there's certain things that we're just kind of fixing the kinks in, but I, we haven't had any major, any major problems in my opinion. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, surgery, really, we've been doing surgery. I hope that five, continues. Yeah. Surgery yeah. four times a week. And that's really, that's where people were nervous was just making sure, you know, oxygen would be flowing, anesthesia would work and that we have not had a problem with. Yeah, I think the biggest hurdle so far is just kind of figuring out where everything went, like specific medications, specific instruments. Um, and there's been a lot of just opening 20 cabinets to find what we're looking for. Yeah. The muscle memory is definitely, we're having to retrain that, you know, old clinic, we knew exactly where the antibiotics were. Now we open 10 cabinets and then we find the antibiotics. We have sticky notes on nearly every cabinet. <laughs> So we can limit the opening, but it still happens. And, you know, what advice would you both have to kind of up and coming, um, you know, kind of students going through school, considering um, going into veterinary care? Um, do you have anything, you know, you'd like to offer or tips or things that maybe something that you would have liked to know as a, as a student? Yeah, definitely try to get your feet wet early, um, whether that means shadowing volunteering or possibly even applying as an assistant or a receptionist during your vacations. 
Um, that way you get a, a feel for what you're getting into. Um, it's, you know, it, it can be a challenging profession. Um, and, you know, I think if you can get that experience, you know what you're getting into. Um, there's, you know, especially now, um, there's a shortage of veterinary staff. So like every ER, every vet clinic is pretty much looking for all the help they can get. I'd have to agree with that. Definitely just getting yourself into it. You're not going to just all of a sudden come in and be the best technician or the best doctor. You have to get your feet wet. A lot of places want experience too, though. And you're not going to get that just from reading a textbook. So. And what about to folks kind of out there, you know, searching the listservs for kind of any dog that will will come on to adopt at this time, um, kind of for folks who have never been dog owners before, but are considering um, getting a dog for their family, what would you recommend they do kind of before they make that leap to pet ownership? I mean, a lot of shelters do offer fostering, which I think is a great way to see if that dog does fit in your family. Um, obviously, a lot of people are interested in specific breeds too, though. So I would say do your research on the breeds. You know, certain ones have a higher intelligence, so they need more mental stimulation. Um, otherwise, other they're sports dogs, so they need more exercise. So definitely just do your research on the breed that you think will best fit your family, whether or not you have children, based on your age, if you're a senior. You know, I think that's really important. Yeah, and I think there's so much to, to pet care that, you know, you often don't think about or realize until you have a pet and it's you're stuck and it's too late. Um, so I do have an Instagram page. It's dr.andrewlee. Um, I have a lot of resources on there. So, you know, there's a book, you know, a book that I recommend for all puppy owners. It, it goes over potty training, crate training, um, socializing, uh, reducing fear, um, you know, pet insurance. I think it's really big. Um, veterinary care, you know, if, if pet gets sick, it, it, it unfortunately can get quite expensive. And, um, definitely one of the worst or hardest parts of the job is, you know, turning away a client because they can't afford care. So definitely having pet insurance in the back of your mind um, gives you that peace of mind that if something were to happen, that um, you wouldn't have to worry about the finances of their pet getting sick. And pet insurance works, you know, very similar, right, to regular health insurance where you pay monthly premiums and and that sort of thing. Yeah, you, um, you... monthly uh a monthly premium, um, they set a certain deductible. Uh, they also set a certain percentage for reimbursement. Um, so the, the, I think the biggest difference is the client pays the bill upfront, then submits a claim to the insurance. And then depending on the plan that they choose, they get like 90 or 80% reimbursed off the total bill. Wonderful. Well, we um, have started this kind of newer rapid fire um, questions for the end to end our podcast. So we have a few questions for you. Um, Anthony, Joelle's husband, who used to work at Heal, came up with some of these. So Joelle's gonna take the ones that he wrote. Um, but I have a question. Uh, can you recall, or are you allowed to disclose like the craziest or most interesting pet name or names that you've ever kind of come across? I know we have a shitty kitty. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that though. Was that allowed? You can swear. You can swear. It's fine. You can swear. <laughs> it wasn't like the worst customer. Yeah, we uh, we also have a princess dump truck. I think that's uh, the same owner, actually, who owned both of those. Obviously, I, I think she calls her princess, but full name, princess dump truck. <laughs> funny story behind that one. 
I guess they thought it was a, a girl at first, so they named it Princess. And then they went to another vet visit and then realized it was a boy. So they just added dump truck to the end of it. <laughs> as you do. Yeah, as you do. <laughs> um, so this next one's for Dr. Lee. What's your fastest time for a dog neuter or spay? Um, I always say it's not a race. It's good to take your time. Uh, but a dog neuter, if, if I'm warmed up, probably 15 to 20 minutes. Um, a dog spay. Um, if it's a small dog, probably like 35 minutes. And how about for a cat? A cat spay, they're less vascular, so they're generally pretty quick. Um, a spay is like 25 minutes. And then a neuter, it's probably every vet's favorite procedure. It, it takes like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it takes more time to prep the animal for the doctor than it does for the actual neuter procedure for a cat. <laughs> And are you both pet owners yourselves? Yes. What are your babies? I, I know them somewhat, but you want to share with the world what your, your pet babies' names are or what they I have, have? I have two dogs. I have one black and tan coonhound mix named Griffy, and then I have a train walker coonhound named Rufus. And Rufus is a basket case, but we love him. <laughs> um, I, we have uh, two dogs and a cat. Um, Sawyer, he's a standard schnauzer. He is a bundle of energy. Um, he's a young dog. So I relate with all the new puppy owners. I often share my advice and wisdom with them um, to impart that. We have another dog, Scout. Uh, she's a little bit older, a little terrier mix. She has a wide range of anxiety disorders. She's on a whole lot of anxiety meds. So that's Another thing that I can impart with uh, puppy owners, pet owners, um, share experiences with them. And then we have a uh, flame point Siamese cat. Um, he's, he's a great cat. He's more of a dog than a cat. <laughs> and Sam, we were told this was a comparable comparison. If you could choose between nail trim and anal gland expression on a daily basis, what would you do? Probably anal gland expression. There's only two of those and there's four paws to trim. Um, <laughs> that's an easy one. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> per dog though. You know, some dogs tolerate nail trims much better than they do anal gland expressions, but I think I'd go for the anal gland expression, <laughs> as odd as that sounds. And in that same vein, we have in an unfortunate appointment visit, would you rather have an anal gland expression or a male cat urinate on you? I would go with the anal glands again. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to go with the anal glands again too. You know, that's a very small amount versus cat urine can be all over you top bottom shoes everything yeah, yeah. cat urine so why, tends to linger why male cat urine versus female like what's the difference there in is there a difference there in, in potency of odor definitely in potency especially an unneutered male cat you honestly can smell that on the cat before they even go to the bathroom practically um I, i'm not sure of the science behind male versus female it's probably hormonal yeah. and, and urine marking, uh, set marking. <laughs> do you have to take like a tomato bath like you would with like a skunk after that? Or like, how do you get that off of you? You change. <laughs> <laughs> I always have an extra pair of scrubs uh, with me in my car, just in case there is an instance like that. I will wash them here though, instead of bringing them back home <laughs> to do laundry there. <laughs> yeah, no secrets that I know of, but you might be onto something. <laughs> 
And what would you say your both of your favorite parts of your job are? I mean, I feel like because we are we are a small clinic, we get a lot of repeat clients. And I really do love seeing those animals get older. You know, right now with the puppy pandemic, those puppies are at the age now where they're getting spayed or neutered. And it's crazy to see that, you know, 10 pound doodle mix come in and now we're over 50 pounds. You know, I, I think it's really rewarding to, to see them grow up and stuff like that. I think it's, you know, a lot of people join the profession because they think, oh, I can work with animals and don't have to deal with people. Well, um, it's, it's the exact opposite. Um, you know, it's anything you need to do to the pets or want to recommend has to go through their owner first. And, you know, that's something that people don't always think about uh, before getting into the profession. And last but not least, the tried and true question, uh, cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. <laughs> They're definitely happier to be here than most cats. <laughs> I, I will say that myself too, and I have both dogs all the way. I feel like I train my dogs, but my cat trains me. Hey, that's great. Yeah, that's a great, um, a great a statement, quote. I would say. I like that. Yeah, I'm a dog person too, and I really only, per, I prefer terriers. I've had terriers sort of my whole life, and the next dog I get will be some sort of terrier or terrier mix, so. Once you get hooked on a breed, it's hard to uh, branch out. I, I agree with that. <laughs> what is the temperament of a coon hound? I'm not familiar with. My two dogs are polar opposites. <laughs> okay. Um, Riffy is an angel dog. He's more like a cat. Um, if it was up to him, he would stay inside all day. He doesn't have to go out to go to the bathroom. Um, my other dog, Rufus, though, he's also on anxiety medications. Um, a lot more work on behavior. We also got him though, when he was older, a year and a half. So it was much harder to imprint what I want him, how I want him to behave. Um, but they need a lot of exercise. Um, Griffey will exercise if you make him, <laughs> but he, he'll, he comes to work with me a lot and just sits in a bed. Um, but we go hiking and camping a lot with them. So it's definitely exercise is a requirement for them. Yes. I always say uh, a tired puppy is a good puppy. If you stimulate them mentally or physically, um, they're less likely to go around and looking to get in trouble. I have to agree with that. I mean, it's sort of like with children too. So. <laughs> There's a lot it of similarities. Just wear them out. Yeah, I think it's easier to wear a dog though. You just throw a ball for 10 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, yes, my... as evidenced by this podcast of me chasing around a baby who wants to keep hitting the on-off button on a, a sound system. So, yes. <laughs> I saw Anthony intervened and helped you out a little bit. <laughs> yes, the pleasures of working from home in a tiny space yeah. where all of our stuff is in the <laughs> same room. Yeah. So We can put our dogs in cages. I don't think it might be frowned upon if you did that with children. <laughs> Yes, but you know, cribs, there's yeah, cribs, yeah, cribs, cribs you take off the roof and you call it a crib. Yeah, exactly. Uh, baby gate, baby gate. <laughs> They're sort of all the same. Well, thank you, Sam and Dr. Lee for joining us today. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you all for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Heal Veterinary Clinic and to check out some items online, please visit healveterinary.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and currently recorded via Zoom. We thank you for your listenership 
And if you like the podcast, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. We are also actively looking for podcast sponsors to sustain our production. Please email us at info at for more information. Thank you for your continued support, for staying active in our community, and for staying always Andersonville.